Hey, I'm Natalie Abbott. And I'm Vera Schmitz. We are sisters who host the Dwell Differently podcast. We help you memorize and meditate on one Bible verse every month. And all month long on our podcast, we talk about what that verse means, why it matters, and how we can apply that verse to our daily lives. Welcome back to the Dwell Differently podcast. It's your host, Natalie Abbott. And it's September 1st, so I get to introduce our new verse this month, and we're going to talk about what it means and why it matters and how we can live it out and experience the truths that are in this particular passage of scripture. So it is just this tiny little blessing. Uh, It comes from Romans chapter 15, verse 13, and I absolutely love it. It is, it's like a little blessing prayer. And so I'm going to say it over you right now. So I want you to just hear these words and receive them. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that not just the best? I have been saying this verse over and over again to myself. I have said it over my children. I have prayed it for other people that the God of hope would fill them with all joy and peace as they trust in him so that they could overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just so good. And I am so excited to get to to talk with you and share with you some insights into this verse and the context of this verse a little bit and just how we can live this verse out, how we can understand this verse rightly and apply it to our lives. So let's start out a little bit with the context. We are not the first people who have prayed this blessing over one another. We are not the first people to have heard this verse. I'm sure you're aware. It's got a 2000 year history here and it is a beautiful little history. So this verse is from Romans 15, 13. It's from a letter that Paul, the apostle, the evangelist wrote to the people in Rome who he had not come to visit yet. These are This is a church that he heard about in the capital of the world, this very diverse kind of a melting pot of a city, much like, you know, the, the, the society that we live in today, actually. Uh, there was this variety, this pantheon, this smorgasbord of ideas and gods and lifestyles and this diversity. And in the middle of this is this small church that springs up, the, this group of people who have heard the message of Jesus Christ and they have believed. And so Paul writes in this letter and the first 11 chapters are a theological treatise. They are all filling in all the gaps for them. I haven't come to see you yet, but I got all these things I want to tell you about who Jesus is. I got to tell you about who you are. I got to tell you about the God of the universe. I just want you to know all these things. And so it's not a short letter. It is a very long letter. It is a very very thick letter in terms of theology and doctrine and all this stuff. And it's, it's honestly, if you've never read it, it's an amazing book and it really does flesh out our faith in such profound ways that it has changed the hearts of so many people and drawn them to a relationship with Christ when before they, they maybe knew the Bible, but wow, this is different. This is new. This is, this is who God is. This is who Jesus is. This is why he came for us. He came to save us. And so that is the beautiful 
gospel message that Paul gives in the first part of the letter, the first two thirds, at least of the letter. And then we get this little section that commentators break out in chapter 12, verse one to chapter 15, verse 13. And that's where uh, 1513 is the culminating verse of that. So that's our verse is the culmination of this section. And it's basically, so here's the gospel message. How do we live it out now? You know, Paul spends 11 chapters fleshing out all of this theology for them. Now, how do we live? What do we do with that? And he goes through a lot of explanations on what it means to live as Jewish believers and non-Jewish believers and how they have been united together by the same God. And now they can live in unity. And honestly, that's hard. Like, it is hard to live in unity with other people who even come from your same culture, but they've got this cultural mishmash that is going on, and they've got this Jewish component and this non-Jewish component. And so Paul spends a lot of time explaining to them, this is how you live now. In fact, Romans 12, 1 is one of my favorite Bible verses, and it says, therefore, in view of God's mercy... I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Uh, This is your spiritual act of worship. And he goes on to say that um, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you'll be able to know what God wants you to do with your life. Right. And then he goes out and he fleshes all of that out. So offer your body as a living sacrifice. Don't conform to the world anymore and be united together. And it looks like this. So he gives all of these details of what does it look like when you get together? What does it look like when you eat food together? What does it look like in all these different ways? And then it culminates with this beautiful prayer slash blessing that the God of hope would fill them with all joy and peace as they trust in him and that they he would also give them this abounding, overflowing hope that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. So he sort of tells them all these to do's and then he's like, and let me just pray over you that God would empower you to live like this, that God himself would give you peace in spite of differences, that God himself would give you joy, even when it's hard, that God himself would give you this hope that abounds and overflows and spills out into everything you do. And you know what? That message is a message for us. That message is a message we need to hear Uh, because I don't know about you, but I need all joy, not just some joy. I need all the joy. I want all my joy. I want all my peace, and I want all the overflowing, abundant hope that comes as I trust in God and as I am filled up by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants for me. I want that. And I know that you want that too. And so what I want to do in this next section of this little talk that I'm giving is to talk through what does that mean? You know, how do we experience that? And I think all of it hinges on that little section that says, as you trust in him. So may God do these things for you as you trust in him so that these other things will be true of you as well. But as you trust in him is the hinge point of this verse. And I just want to tell you that God is trustworthy, that the God that is in the Bible 
Jesus himself is trustworthy. And we actually see it in the context of our verse because Paul, just before our verse comes up, he quotes four Old Testament passages because he's talking about how non-Jewish people who are called Gentiles and Jews should get along. And he's like, hey, here are these four Old Testament passages that talk about how God is going to receive praises from the Gentiles. And he ends it with this little sentence from Isaiah eleven ten. He quotes this, this section and he says, in him or in Christ, the Gentiles will have hope. So you people who are having maybe a little bit of trouble getting along, the hope that you have is in the same God. The God of hope, like our verse says. And so that God who made those four promises in the Old Testament and many more, he is trustworthy because that hope has been fulfilled. That Those promises are fulfilled in Christ. So the hope that they had, that they're talking about in the Old Testament, that's already come to fruition. So this God that we can hope in is the same God of the Old Testament who people for generation place their hope in. And those people, their hopes were not disappointed because God is a God who fulfills his promises. God is the God of hope, like our verse says. And I think that's honestly the only time in the Bible that title is used for God, the God of hope. But what a good title it is because it says our God is trustworthy. Our God is worthy of placing our our hope in. And so I want to talk about that idea of hope next. So we're going to to go through this first. We're going to talk about what is biblical joy, what is biblical peace, and what is biblical hope. So let's talk about the God of hope who uh, fills us with all joy and peace, who overflows us with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. So what is biblical hope anyway? Who is this God of hope, this God who keeps his promises? Well, biblical hope is not a thing like our idea and usage of the word hope in our society. It's a bad, there's not another equivalent word in English because our word hope means like something I want to have happen something I'm not sure that's going to happen, something that happens in the future. If only this or this would happen. I hope that this or this would happen. I hope that I can get tickets to this Broadway play. I hope that I can uh, make it on time to my appointment later today, even though I'm going to be caught in traffic. I don't know if I'm going to make it on time. I hope I will. That is not biblical hope. Biblical hope is based in the God of hope. And like we said earlier, he is trustworthy. He fulfills his promises. The God of hope is worth putting our hopes in. And that kind of hope is actually a firm hope. So I'm going to read you uh, a verse, one of my favorite verses. It's from Hebrews 10, 23. And it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Do you see that? We can hold unswervingly to this hope that we profess, the hope that we have in God, the hope that we have in the God of hope, because he who promised is faithful. That is biblical hope. Biblical hope is not a wishing and a longing. Biblical hope is a certain hope because it is rooted and grounded in the faithful God of hope. 
All right, so there's hope for us. Now I want to talk about peace and joy. Um, And I love the fact that this verse says, all joy and all peace. Like, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. I want all my joy, right? I want all my everlasting, abundant, overflowing joy. And joy, just like hope, is not, uh, it's not based in flimsy things. The joy that we have as believers is foundationally based in our salvation, our relationship with the God of the universe. If that doesn't bring us joy, I don't know what will. And because those things are unchanging, our joy is unchanging. It is no fleeting happiness that is dependent on our circumstances. It is no fluctuating thing. It is a deep and lasting, profound joy. And that is what this prayer is asking from God, that you would be filled with all joy and all peace. Now, I want to make a quick uh, difference between the two kinds of peace that we find in the Bible. The first one is not the peace that's being talked about here. Um, That is positional peace. Now, positional peace is peace with God for all eternity. So it's a way of talking about our relationship with God, that we are no longer separated from God. We are no longer enemies of God or rebels against God. We now have peace through Christ. And I will read you a verse that will help you understand that. It's from Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified or made right through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So we are right now as believers in Jesus standing in this grace, right? We have peace with God. And this is an unchanging, immovable truth about people who have faith, who have been made right through their faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. So that's the first kind of peace. It's positional. It's it's about our position before God. It's unchanging. But this verse is talking about our experience of peace, which can fluctuate and change and move around. And that's why Paul is saying, I want this for you. I want you to be filled with this kind of peace. I want you to experience all the peace of God because of who he is. And as you trust in him, you will. You'll experience it more and more. And so that experiential peace is our everyday experience of our positional peace. So because we have peace with God, we can have this experiential fullness of peace. And that's the kind of peace that that Paul is praying for the Romans. So let's, let's look at that verse again. Let's read it. Let's hear it again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this other little section that I want to talk about is the so that. So it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that there's a reason that you would be filled with all joy and peace so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we overflow with something, why? 
why why would God make us overflow with hope? We only need enough hope for us. Why would we have overflowing hope? Why would we need this abundant filling, this, this gushing over of hope? It's not just for us. Hope is not just for us. It's for the people around us. It's for those, those in our lives who need that hope. For those who've never heard about the hope of Jesus Christ, that overflowing hope is for others. That is the overflowing hope given to us, not that we muster up, but given to us, filled up in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, the infinite, unchanging, unbounded power of the Holy Spirit that fills us. That same power overflows out of us as we trust in God, as we trust in the God of hope, as he fills us with joy and with peace. And I know that there have been times in my own life, and I I expect that there are probably times in your life where you too have experienced the joy and peace and hope of God. And when you do, it just tumbles out of you, doesn't it? It just fills up the people around you. And so that's the final part of this little prayer. Not that these things would remain in us, but that these things would flow out of us. That they wouldn't just fill us up, but that they would be the things that we are pouring into the lives of the people around us. That we would be a beacon of light. That we would be an overflowing spring of living water. That people would come and they would meet Jesus through the ways that we ourselves are flowing with this abundant, overflowing hope and this all joy and all peace that is living inside of us because we trust in the trustworthy God of hope. And so as we go, I just want to one more time pray that blessing over you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been such a joy to speak with you about these things. I love my job that I get to to talk about uh, the word of God with you. And as I do, as I continue to write and we continue to have this podcast, would you join us? Come on back. Uh, we'll be talking about this first all month long and you can go to dwelldifferently.com where you can find other resources to help you memorize this first. And you can read our weekly blog where a lot of times I'm on there blogging about our verse. So, and we have awesome writers who are just really diving in. Uh, so I would encourage you to do that. And thanks again for joining me today. Hey, are you looking for a place to connect with other people who are memorizing this month's verse? We got you covered. Guess what? We have a Dwell Differently official Facebook group that you can join. And we're over there chatting about what this verse means and how it is affecting our daily lives. So go check it out on Facebook, the Dwell Differently official Facebook group.